salvation. Transfiguration through transformation. And I'm going to start off with a vision I had in glory culture. Um, when we meet Tuesday nights. I just I encourage you to come to these glory cultures. It's where I've learned to meet with God and to see and hear in a whole new way. I mean, last week, Pastor Jen preached on, on purpose, going to heaven. I heard that a year and a half ago, and I thought, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, that's not scriptural. <laughs> like, I, to me, it was, you know, as the Lord wills. So I was like, you know, just like some, some other things, as the Lord wills, it, it happens. You know, I see people writing these books of their experience, and I'm like, oh, that'd be really cool. I wish I could experience that. But it's as the Lord wills. But if you were here last week, it's all throughout Scripture of people being caught up to the third heaven, to what does it really mean to walk in the Spirit? What is that? See, these people, these encounter people are having in heaven, you know, we think, oh, that's, they're going to heaven. And it's like, kind of distinguish it separate from like, oh, they're, and this person, they're just in the spirit. You know, they're seeing things, God's revealing. And I almost, I've put them in two different camps. But a lot of times they actually are the same because a lot of things you're seeing you're seeing through the eye of the Spirit. You're seeing into the heavenly realm, right? When you're seeing in the Spirit, you're not, your eyes aren't seeing in the natural. They're seeing in the spiritual realm. And so I've been hindered for a while because understanding how Jesus walked is that he would go to be with the Father and he'd get caught up. He would go to where God was. See, if we're going to draw, I'm getting ahead of myself, but if we're going to draw near to God and then he draw near to us, let me ask you, where is God? And where is Christ? Are they both not in heaven? Is that not a call for you to come up to him and then he comes down to us? We're supposed to draw near where he is, and that's where he is. Well, so we, we can go to heaven? Yeah. This is actually what many of the great men and women of God did throughout the Bible. Enoch's, the Elijah's, the David's, the Christ's. They were constantly caught up in this place, in this spiritual realm, out of the body, out inside of the body, out they couldn't tell. They just knew they weren't here. <laughs> so where were they? In a caught-up place. So, whew, so I want to share this vision I had in glory culture. And I'm at the place where I can just, I can just go to heaven. He says, "You can go, come up here whenever you want. Draw near to me." I'll draw near to you, so I can just draw near whenever I want to. And I just get caught up, and instantly I just start to use my imagination. It used to be a lot more imagination. Now I combine my faith with my imagination. All of a sudden it became like a reality to me. 
So I'm praying in glory caution. Just instantly, I just expect to go to heaven now. It's just not even a second thing to me anymore. Like I'm at that place. Just, yep, I'm just going to envision going up to heaven. And boom, I'm there. And I walk into this great hall. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sitting at this banquet table. But there's this whole hall busy, full of angels and full of people, beings, preparing like this huge banquet hall. And, and suddenly I, I just knew it was the preparation for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Like when we get caught up in rapture, we're going to be in a seven-year feast celebration with the marriage supper of the Lamb. I, just, I felt like that's what was, I knew, somehow I knew by the Spirit that that was just going on in the background. But here are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sitting at this one table, and they're just kind of waiting for me. And I'm just like walking in, and they're like, you know, <laughs> just smiling at me. That's just inviting me to come and dine with them. I'm like, wow, that's that's really cool. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I just get to come and sit at their table. And they're just they're just excited I'm there. And I'm just partaking. And they're just just ministering to me. And I'm I get this understanding that I'm like eating this food, but it's almost like they are the food. You know, Christ is the bread of life. So it's like as I'm at this table, I'm just eating them up <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> like there wasn't really food on the table. They were like the food I was eating. And I was just like, and all of a sudden, my face began to shine with light. And I began to glow, and I heard the word transfigured. I was like, whoa, I'm starting to, I'm getting transfigured here. <laughs> it's like, how, what, what's, what's different? I didn't, I didn't quite, I didn't have the understanding until recent, because this happened a few weeks ago, just this vision. And then... Uh, some other cool things that happened in this uh, vision. So after like that glowing experience, being starting to be transfigured, um, my grandparents uh, that are passed away on my mom's side uh, come and sit down at the table. I'm like, hey, and, you know, I couldn't like. A lot of my visions are typically like vague in like physicalness, but yet it's a very almost like knowing. I can when I. I see like figures, and I know what's going on by this. It's like I just have this knowing of what's going on. I knew my grandparents came and sat down at the table, and they're just smiling and half. I'm like, oh, we're having a family reunion. But then what was very interesting is someone else, a young lady, came over to the table, and I knew by the spirit that this was my sister. But my brain couldn't wrap around because... All my sisters are still alive. And I was, my, my brain was having trouble computing what was, what I was seeing spiritually. And I think, that doesn't make any sense. And then, and then the spirit quickened in my remembrance that my mom had a miscarriage. And it was a girl. <laughs> so I was just like... <laughs> So I stood up and I went over and just gave her a big hug and she was just, you could just see the smile on her face, just ear to ear, meeting her brother she had never met. I was just, I didn't expect that. 
That was not in my mind, my peripheral whatsoever. I just, wow, it is true, <laughs> you know. And I told my mom that she was just blown away, just excited, you know. Had Courtney's met her grandpa in heaven, you know. We we're just uncertain about where where he was, where he ended up, and just meeting him in heaven was just so comforting. And just <laughs> had a conversation with him. It's just you think, oh, that's that's flaky. That's no. Get caught up in the spirit. There's a whole host of saints that have fallen before us that are caught up in glory. And they're just waiting. <laughs> it's a short time for them. Right? They're just like, oh, what are you doing here? That's what it's going to be like when we get caught up. Oh, you're here already. To us, it seems so long. It drags out. But to God, it's just, oh, you're here. Yay. <laughs> Ready for the party? Ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb? <laughs> Amen. So I had that vision it's just being transfigured. I didn't really know what that meant, what that, what does that mean, Lord? And so I just began to download uh, what was going on. So I'm getting some uh, key text here uh, for this message, and it's Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Another key text can be Matthew 17. 1 through 8, Matthew 17, 1 through 8, and then Psalms 119, 105, Psalm 119, 105. So Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do, me, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So I had that transfiguration part, and then I go to uh, some meetings last week called Shekinah Glory down in uh, Elkhorn. And it's, she was preaching on be not conform to this world, but be transformed. And it just stuck out to me. It just hit my spirit. Because then I also had that remembrance of transfiguration. There's, there's conformation, there's transformation, and there's trig transfiguration. You know, I was like, the teacher me, I'm like, what's the difference between all these? I don't even know. <laughs> so I was like, just excited to like, just put a fire under me like to start searching this out. So I want to give you a, a definition of to conform is to act in accordance with expectation, to behave in the manner of others, especially as a result of social pressure. So to conform is an act in accordance with expectation, to behave in the manner of others, especially as a result of social pressure. This is why the word says, do not conform to this world. Do not let the social pressures form you. Do not, because their morality, their standards are constantly changing and degrading. Anybody notice that lately? 
This world's getting dark, and it's getting dark fast. And they're constantly changing the standards of what's acceptable, just lowering the bar lower and lower. And why are they doing it? Because no one wants to be around people. You know, when you're doing something wrong and someone's living to this standard a little bit above you, you want to try to bring them down to your standard so you don't feel guilty or convicted or condemned. This is what the world is constantly doing and just constantly want to bringing it down so they don't feel this guilt, this shame. That's why you see such openness with sin because they brought down that standard. But we are not to be conformed to that changing standard. God wants us transformed. So to transform is to change greatly the appearance or form of. To change the nature, condition, or function of. So to transform is to change greatly the appearance or form of. To change the nature, condition, or function of. See, when we have been born in Christ, our nature has changed. We no longer have our sin nature. We become alive unto God and have God's nature residing in us. A transformation has taken place in our spirits. But guess what? Your flesh hasn't been transformed yet. Guess what? Your soul and your mind have not been transformed. See, when you get born again, you're a three-part being, remember? Spirit, soul, and body, right? When you get saved, man, you're a new creature in Christ. It's like, you're made anew. But guess what? You still got your flesh and your soul. Well, the flesh, that's going to stay the way it is until we go to be with the Lord and we get our glorified bodies. We're going to get a new type of flesh, a new housing for our spirit. But our soul is going to stick with us. So this is where we need to transform it by renewing our minds. Let's see if I can find that scripture. Oh, that is the scripture, Romans 12. Duh. All right. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word of God, Christ, is what is going to change our mind, our thinking, our soul. So let's get the definition of transfigure. To transfigure is to glorify or exalt something or someone to reveal the true nature, to transform the outward appearance of something, to convert into a different form, state, or substance. I prefer the, you know, the first part of these, this definition, to glorify it or to exalt, to reveal the true nature. So transfiguration does not mean the same thing as the word transformation. Transformation implies a remaking 
of the nature of a person or object, whereas transfiguration implies a revelation of the true nature. Jesus is not transformed on the mount that day. He doesn't go up the mountain like some sort of caterpillar to uh, wrap himself in a cocoon and emerge as a glorious butterfly full of light and beauty. That is what happens at the resurrection event, but not here, not today. What happens here is that Jesus stands revealed. It is this, as if a mask is taken away from his face and the disciples are granted a vision of who, is, who he really is as God the Father sees him and loves him. Oh, shoot, that's, that was powerful to me. So the story is Matthew 17, 1 through 8. It says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When, you had lifted up your eye, when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So what happens is that Jesus stands revealed to them. You know, maybe they had some doubts. Is this really the Son of God? Well, when someone starts glowing before you and then a cloud comes and a voice speaks. <laughs> I don't think you need to doubt anymore, right? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Maybe this is what the sons of God, what man is waiting for. When you come by and a, your face is shining bright. And a voice speaks over you. This is my beloved son and daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Whew. I won't need to try to entice them with elegant words. God, the Father will himself reveal himself and make known that what I speak is truth. That's the gospel I see coming forth in these last days. We've done so much striving, so much effort to try to preach the gospel. I've done a lot of preaching the gospel in my past. <laughs> I got saved in a ministry that was an evangelistic ministry. And I've literally preached the gospel to thousands, tens of thousands of people on the streets. 
I feel like I've been waiting for the day to get back into it, but it's felt like it's felt like it's been hard. Like it's I say this a lot. Sometimes you get so busy doing the work of the ministry, you forget the Lord you're doing the work for. You neglect him. I feel like that's always been a hindrance to me. I'm so gotta gotta do the work. I do the work, and I'll go ahead and be, I'll be a youth pastor, and I'll go do worship, and I'll be preaching the gospel, and I'll be a minister, and do all these things. But yet, at the same time, I feel like I don't quite have him like when I first had him. The Lord's taken me back to that place. The Lord's taken this body back to this place. There's a reason he's delivering this message to you right now. He wants to transform us. And when he transforms us, then he wants to transfigure us. It's step, step upon step, glory to glory. Man, the Holy Spirit's all over this. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Christ in us, the hope of glory. See, transformation is something Christ accomplishes in our minds by renewing it with the word of God. He is the potter. We are the clay. Will you be formed by him? You're going to have to get into his word. You're going to have to meet with the son. Because <laughs> you can't meet the father but through the son. See, this is what he's getting out. We've, we've been a Jesus <laughs> society, just... Christianity just, it's all about Jesus. And yes, it is about Jesus. A lot of times we have neglected the Father. Which makes no sense because when we look at Jesus' ministry, when we look at his life, how did he do it? How did he do it? He would wake up early and every night and he would go to the Father. That is how, you think, how did Jesus live a sinless life, man? That just seems so far-fetched, seems so impossible. Well, yeah, you're, we're missing some, one of the most important parts of his life, going to just be with the Father. After we receive the Son, now we have access to the Father, and we've neglected him for so long because we have thought we can't be caught up to the third heaven. We can't draw near to where he is. He's too high above And we've missed it. That's why we've been in this struggle. Because Christ needed to be with the Father for him to accomplish the will. How, did, how was he supposed to know what to do, where to go, what to say? But getting direction from the Father. How are you going to know what to do? Where do you get your direction from? From the Father. <laughs> Man, God is... God is opening eyes today. He's got purpose and destiny for so much more to accomplish. I feel like this is a huge step 
towards what you've been longing for. Come on, we've been longing to see God manifest in his glory, in his power, and his goodness. But we've just felt like we've just gotten taste, the morsels. We've been getting crumbs, and we just couldn't figure out why. What's, what's going on? How can we just get this way, and we get excited, and then it goes back down? And you're just in this roller coaster ride with Jesus. We're missing the Father. We're missing him. The big deal. The whole point of Jesus is to grant access to the Father. Reconciliation. He is the mediator. He was not, Jesus was not the end goal. He was the mediator, the in-between. The Father's heart has cried out long enough for his children. He has been wooing and calling for so long. But this is the hour we get it. This is the hour we get our transfiguration, where Christ gets revealed in us. Transfiguration, transfiguration is something God the Father accomplishes by revealing His Word, His Son, in His creation. The only path to transfiguration is through Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For no man comes to the Father but through me. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've heard this scripture so many times. I love this scripture. But what is a lamp? What is a lamp? The lamp is a vessel. A vessel for what? For light. I never piece this together. Where it says, your word is a lamp. Christ is the lamp. A vessel for what? For the light and the glory of God. This is what happened on that mountain. What happened, I'm sure, many times. That when Christ would seek the Father, that the light would come and fill his vessel. We have been transforming ourselves into the image of Christ. We've been preparing a vessel. Preparing it for what? For the light to be put inside of it. Who is the source of this light? God the Father. 
and his glory. The earth waits for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of the Most High. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for the light in earthen vessels. God the Father is that light waiting for you to draw near so he can pour forth his light, his life, his brightness into you and you can shine forth. We've tried to gone forth with just a vessel with no light. Jesus needed the light and look what happened. Oh man, when we get a hold of the light... When we get a hold of that light, it's over. The proclamation of the gospel is the end of the age. This is being revealed in this hour for this time. Oh, man. The ramifications of this is just, I'm starting to see why and what's been going on. It's it's so easy. It's so simple. When we just start to draw near to God, that light is going to be imparted into our vessels. And the gospel will be effortless. We'll think, well, how did we make this so difficult and so hard? I think about like me coming up here, like <laughs> sometimes preaching can be a little hard, a little straining, so much work to study I have to do. This time it was different. I just sought God, and, it's just, and his light just began to fill me, revelation and knowledge and understanding. And now it's just like, it's just exuding forth. It's not, there's no effort on my part. This is what God's going to do with the gospel. He's transforming us and how we're go- <laughs> transfiguring us. Whew. Man. Second Corinthians four six. Second Corinthians four six says, But even our gospel is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, the enemy, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Man. <laughs> It's all over this scripture. I never read that. <laughs> I probably read it, but I never read that. <laughs> Funny how it's the light of the gospel. <laughs> Transfiguration is the game changer. It only occurs by consecrating time with Father God, the source. That was and is the foundation for Jesus' life.
God is commanding light to shine out of darkness. The moment you become transformed, you are now an eligible bachelor for his light to go and shine forth the gospel. The gospel of what? Of his son, Jesus Christ. Make known the knowledge of the glory. The gospel is the unison, is in unison with the light. No light, no gospel. Brighter the light, more effective the gospel. The more time spent with the source of the light, the brighter you become. The more effective the gospel through you. And then you'll be acknowledged by him. This is my beloved son and daughter whom I am well pleased. <laughs> For some that scared many, you know, thinking when they get to the end, man, I sure hope God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's been an obstacle of fear for many. Just think, am I doing enough? Am I, am I enough? Well, God's given you the key right here to how you can guarantee the Lord, the God, the Father's response of well done, good and faithful servant. Be transfigured. Be with him morning, day, and night. Set your gaze on him. And you'll hear those words. It's simple. It's not about the acts, the busyness of the ministry. It's about the spending time with the Father the way Jesus did. And the rest just comes natural. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, so glad for the Holy Spirit for your revelation. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you for revealing these things to us. <laughs> it's amazing how this story we see in Matthew, <laughs> how foreshadowed it was in the, in the day of Moses. Let me just read this to you. Exodus 33, 9 through 23. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, Exodus 33, 9 through 23, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. Oh, that's funny. I remember uh, Matthew here. Let's see, where is it? Uh, while he was still speaking in Matthew, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud. We see this right here in Exodus with Moses. It's a type and shadow of the Christ. It's a foreshadowing of what was going to take place. That the pillar of a cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. 
and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, Please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand, and will pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back. My face shall not be seen. kind of interesting here how it says in the beginning that Moses spoke to the Lord face to face. Then a couple verses down it says, no man can see my face or he'll die. Well, did Moses really speak to the Lord face to face? Because that's what the scripture says. Did something change? Well, what was Moses' ask of the Lord? He said, Lord, please show me your glory. So the first time, the Lord just came and talked with Moses face to face. But Moses wanted to experience the glory of God. So that means the fact that he asks after speaking face to face tells me that the fullness of God's glory was not present when he was speaking to him face to face. There was some type of veil that was holding back the fullness of his glory from being revealed to him. Because it seems like a contradiction. We got to look. Moses says, show me your glory, Lord, even though he's already interacted with the Lord before. So God says, all right, (laughs) I'll show you my glory. You can't experience the fullness of it, but it will pass by before you. You cannot see my face. See, our natural man cannot handle the full weight. A lot of people wonder, why do people fall sometimes when ministers pray for people? What is that all about? Well, you got to understand what, what glory is, the glory of God. Let me see if I can find it in my notes here. Yeah, I'm just going to read this uh, kind of an article I found called The External Weight, Eternal Weight of Glory, not the external. 
Scripture places a high value on God's glory. It is not hard to figure out why, since the inherent glory of the Lord is something that he will not share with others. We know that his glory is something that he prizes highly. Indeed, he prizes it more highly than anything else. We should therefore set the glory of God as the goal and overreaching emphasis of our lives. Whatever we lose for the sake of making the Lord's glory known will be worth it when we see the dazzling light and beauty of the divine glory. Glory has to do with light and beauty, but those aspects do not sum up what the Bible means when it speaks of the glory of God. Interestingly, the Hebrew word kabod, which is translated in English as glory, has the root meaning of weight or heaviness. This offers a clue that glory has to do with, with weight, and that is confirmed by the passage in 2 Corinthians uh, 4.17. Wanna see, did I read that already? Uh, it says, um, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Eternal weight of glory. But when we speak of the glory as having to do with weight or heaviness, what exactly do you mean? Essentially, we are talking about worth or value. Things of value, are, of value are often measured by weight. For example, precious gemstones such as diamonds. Scriptures often speak of the weight of precious metals when it is talking about prices or trying to measure generosity and wealth. So glory and worth are correlative concepts. God has glory that surpasses the glory of anything else in existence because he is of infinite value and worth. So just think about that. When Moses says, God, show you, show me your glory. Give me the fullness of your glory. You really think his natural man can withstand that? Why would God kill somebody for showing? It's, it's not about that. It's the fullness. Think, how, think of the worth and the value of God and all that trying to come on mortal sinful flesh. It would squash you like a bug. <laughs> this is why he hides Moses in the cleft of the rock. But he still wanted to show him his glory. See, God has given us earthen vessels to contain the fullness of his glory. When we get born again, your spirits can withstand the light that he wants to shine through you. These earthen vessels are the temple of the real temple. Amen. And that temple can handle the light, a fiery pillar, <laughs> burning up the sacrifice of our lives. Make yourself a living sacrifice unto God. Draw near to him, and as you do, that light will come down and consume what you have put on its altar. This is how Jesus did it. You think his flesh wanted to go pray early in the morning before the sun even came up, the scripture says? My flesh don't want to do that. 
think I want to go pray before every meal and pray for others. And my flesh don't want to do that. It wants to go to sleep. It wants to do everything it wants to do. But when you sacrifice what it wants to do for what God says to seek him, to put him first in all things, to meditate on him, that fire can then come down and consume and the light of God go forth and you will be transfigured by spending time with him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Arise and shine. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Start to see it. Start to confess it. We just had the prophetic voice conference. What did we learn? We got to start to speak these things. Man, when we start getting into the Word, start to see the Father's going to start to show us. And when He starts to show you, start to speak. Say this, the glory of the Lord Lord is risen upon me. Hallelujah. (laughs) Man, there's so much light and revelation in this. (laughs) Oh, man, I love you, Lord. There's so many scriptures. There's just so many to put down about. Uh, the light shining upon us. Psalm 67, 1 through 2. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Salah, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Isaiah 62, 1 through 2. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. Lord has a new name for you. (laughs) We are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Say that I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I will shine forth the radiant glory of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Revelations 21, 22 through 27 says, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, 
For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is the light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall, no, there, there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter in anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Glory, God. Glory to God. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, God. Glory to your name. We have been counted worthy to have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb is the light, and we have the Lamb, so the light is in us. <laughs> Man, I'm getting excited. We have that light. We have that light. The world has scorned, has mocked, and ridiculed us long enough. But I tell you now, they will stand speechless before us, dumbfounded, to try <laughs> to try to speak against a radiant son and daughter of the Most High, something portraying forth the light of God. There will be no words. <laughs> Every vain argument just nullified. You think people sit there and argue with Christ with the fire in his eyes? <sighs> oh, man. Mm -mm. And when that fire enters your soul and your eyes and the love of God consumes you, They will have nothing to say but to fall on their knees. We've seen this in some previous revivals. Azudish, they'd you'd walk into a factory, and the love of God would just exude, and everyone would just get on their knees and give their hearts to the Lord. That hour is come. That hour is here. The glory of the Lord will not be veiled. It will not be veiled. So seek him. Seek him. Draw near to him. Lord, in you is everything. Everything we've been wanting. Everything we've been desiring. All the answers that we've been looking for. But we understand now. We see we see the need for the Father. God, we're being transformed. We're being transfigured into the image of Christ and then filled with the light. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Make known to us what is the perfect and acceptable will of the Father. You're going to start to see a shift in church. You're going to start to see this shift from here on out. The program's going to change. The desire, the passion is going to change. During the prophetic voice conference, I went up to receive prayer and impartation. And I just feel like I wanted, I wanted the Lord. I wanted my passion back. I feel like I had lost my first love. And I just lifted my hands to the Lord. And, of course, knowing Jay just comes up. I had my eyes closed. He just goes, wham. <laughs> and I just, Phew. Thought it looked like some Matrix movie. Just, <laughs> I just got hit like a truck. But I felt like it was a needed adjustment, like I was out of alignment. And I needed this bone popped back into place. Yeah, it may not feel great at the time. It may hurt a little, but man, I needed that. I mean, ever had a bone dislocated, and how effective are you in life? Just like, right? We've been, I feel like we've been dislocated from Father God, and He just wants to snap us back in place. Because <laughs> He needs us functioning fully for this end time harvest. We got to have the power to swing that, that sit. And collect that harvest, amen. Prepare your arms for some swinging. <laughs> Not for fighting, but for loving, for reaping. <laughs> He's going to use all of you. Not just what comes out of your mouth. Your time, your talent, your treasure, your meditation. He needs all of it. All of it. Put it all on the altar and see what God's going to do with it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whew. I don't want to chew, but I've had a meal up here. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you, Lord, for revealing to us who are we that you are mindful of us. But God, you laid down your life for us. We now carry your weight because we carry Christ. How valuable was Christ to you? Well, you used that to purchase us. You used him to purchase us for yourself. 
that value has now been transferred to us. He glories in us. God, we thank you. We can't thank you enough. Words cannot express how honored we are. God, that you'd pay such a heavy price. That you put so much worth and so much value on us. We receive that value which you have placed. Man did not place You have placed that value on us. So every lie that has been spoken, we command it broken off in Jesus' name. Your identity is now in Christ. God says, I have purchased you. I have redeemed you. You are mine, says the Lord. Do not buy into the lie of the enemy that you are worthless, that you are cast down and trodden. But you are high and lifted up, seated in heavenly places with me, reconciled unto me through my Son. So take your place. Do not dishonor me. And say, I'm not worthy of such a place. For I have said you are worthy. If my son is worthy to sit by me, then you are worthy to sit by me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. I don't even, I don't even know how, how do you end this? <laughs> lost. (laughs) He's good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Austin, for sharing that. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, this is part of the promise that the God, that the Father gave. He said, when I'll pour out that spirit upon all flesh, your sons, 